Let's move on to the next one, which I think is hilarious. We have a deep fake app that is able to generate realistic nudes in seconds. <laughs> it only works on women. <laughs> so what you can do is there's an app where you can upload, for example, pictures of celebrities that are wearing clothes and then the AI is going to give you naked results. Finally, utility of AI. <laughs> it's so wrong and so inevitable. What's up, guys? So, one thing that happened last week is the Robin Hood Twitter account got hacked. And then the hacker announced a new token launch called RBH. And around 25 people bought the coin. I think personally, that's just a liquidation strategy of the FTX people. <laughs> so maybe SBF <laughs> is trying to recover funds. It was only $8,000, but nice try, FTX. <laughs> nice try. But I, I think the, the, the interesting stuff is how, how many people fall for it? Um, let's, 25. 25. It's quite, I mean, either we're like super deep into the bear market mm -hmm. or people, or the market is getting more educated, let's say. Yeah. Like I read a year ago, yeah. or two years ago, it would have been like a crazy pump on the token. Like, <laughs> and like right now, 25 people are just like, I think maybe 25 people jump on it yeah. because they were like, maybe a lot of people will jump on it. So I'm, I, don't, I, I know it's a scam, but I think a lot of people will fall for it. So I'm going to buy before they buy it or I don't know something maybe something like this I read this and I thought man it's really bear market because you don't really hear about a lot of Twitter accounts getting hacked even the hackers think now it's not profitable anymore <laughs> like well we went through doing all this illegal stuff hacking Robin Hood and only 25 people buy the coins what the fuck <laughs> uh, but yeah that's one one way to realize how deep we are in the mayor market is to see that actually nobody's getting hacked anymore. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's true, a, yeah. that would be a, instead of trading volume and how many active wallets is how many Twitter accounts and discords get hacked. <laughs> yeah, not, not many right now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, I think let's get to our first topic. Mm -hmm. um, so today we're going to discuss, of course, like the two main, the two like like driving forces of, of tech right now, so AI and Web3. And um, let's get started with some AI topic. Um, have you seen the article about like do not pay the software? Like this kind of like, I think the value proposition is um, pretty much the IA will like answer or will reach out to customer support or will reach out to the you know complain um, email address of whatever airline and just to make to use all the possible legal arguments and legal threats for you to get a refund or for you to not pay. So what's your take on this one? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting business model from their side of do not pay to say, like what they do is they help you to contest with traffic tickets, right? So they give you, I would say something similar to a Google Glass that's connected with a headset. So you're just sitting there talking to the, the lawyer or in this, to the court and they ask you questions and the AI gives you the best answer based on what it just heard. And I think what they figured out with do not pay is that it's quite easy to win court cases on traffic tickets or I think it's also insurance tickets. And yeah. based on that is they take a cut, they say, whatever, you're going to pay us 200 bucks and guaranteed 
you don't have to pay for your traffic tickets. The only thing you have to do is you don't have to prepare. You just have to sit in there with your glasses on and the headset. Um, but, but, but the glass yeah. and the headset is more like an ID they had. They, don't, they didn't really implement the stuff now. Oh, okay. No, I, because like if you go on the websites, they have a lot of like, um, like a framework and templates for all the possible like things you don't want to pay. <laughs> uh, I think they have a lot of things like you know how to ask for a refund for like whatever the product, and mm. um, and uh, I I mean, the, the, you had this before. Uh, I know someone he had a company where. Um, I think in, in the European Union, you have this law that if the plane is more than whatever, like one hour, two hours late, there's a specific like number, then you can get um, a partial refund or a full refund. But it's super complicated to get. So mm -hmm. you, you send this, you, you just send your plane ticket per email to this company. They're going to argue for you and they're, and they're going to take a cut. But this already existed somehow, but it wasn't like driven by artificial intelligence. It was more like, okay, you know, you don't want to lose hours to complain on the phone to the customer support, we're going to use our like super aggressive templates and do it for you pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do not pay. Yeah. So yeah, so you're like this UPS, you have uh, refunds, you have, do you have taxes too? Yeah, property taxes, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> Prisoners <laughs> connect with an inmate. <laughs> Oh, the right, the prisoner on death row. Good SEO, for sure. I think they're the only ones that pop up there. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but what's yeah. your opinion on this? Um, do you think that this is something that, that, or generally about the decision, because what this article is about is that it said that the person, um, Joshua Brown, CEO, mm -hmm. got a lot of threats and also sent, got, yeah, like the legal constitution is not very happy about AI lawyers entering the space. I mean, all the law professions are a corporation. And I think in the United States, um, you don't have enough jobs for people who have a low degree. So you have, I don't know, every year you have maybe like, I don't know, like, let's say 100,000 people who, um, uh, finished university uh, with a degree uh, with a diploma in like lower not necessarily lawyer but like you know it's always just like low jobs uh, or law related jobs or legal related jobs mm -hmm. and you don't even have enough jobs for them so if you haven't you know gone to like I don't know Harvard Law or something like super like Ivy League you're not even sure to get a job as a lawyer or as a like legal assistant uh, so if you add the AI in, in, in the middle of this then I mean, a lot of people won't be able to pay their like student debt in the U.S. And um, generally speaking, this corporation—I mean, every corporation—is always defending their like their uh, their like um, privilege. Uh, a friend of mine he launched like a, a tech in the legal laws uh, in, in the French-speaking market years ago, and just maybe like seven years ago, something like this. And his best growth hack was to create uh, an article on Medium to give all the reason why lawyers will never be replaced by machines or we will never be like, you know, Uberized or, and uh, it was like, and thanks to this article, like all the lawyers, they sent the article to each other, to their friends, to their like, colleague. So he had like this huge, like insane growth hacking. And actually he do believes the exact opposite. He believes that lawyers will be replaced by machines anytime soon. But because he's someone quite like, you know, 
smart, let's say. Uh, he just pretend like the exact opposite. So you know, all the profession was just saying, oh, "This guy, is, this article is so smart. This technology is great. This dude, this entrepreneur is so nice." Blah blah blah. And so he got like huge like market shares thanks to this. And then he worked, of course, on like reducing the power of lawyers. So it's like it's kind of a Trojan Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they are going to fight. Yeah. And um, I mean, you, you also have like all these like regulation things. So someone who doesn't have a law degree cannot practice law. That's just the law. So, you know, can the open AI or can the do not pay get a law degree? Doesn't make any sense because they're not, it's not a human. So, yeah. no idea. I do remember because my, my dad is a lawyer and okay. a lot of time of him being a lawyer was spent on, for example, so I'm Austrian. And for if you're a lawyer in Austria, a certain amount of time you need to spend free of charge to defend people that cannot afford a lawyer. So you work with really low importance cases, traffic tickets, whatever. Somebody crashed in the car of another person. Somebody got drunk and broke the jaw of another person. And you have to be there and waste your valuable time defending knuckleheads <laughs> um, over stupid stuff. So I think it would be, I'm, I'm sure what we've said so far, that governments in combination with the legal institutions is something that you really don't want to get into, especially with tech. It's highly protected, highly annoying. But there's also a lot of lawyers out there wasting a lot of time, which can be, I think, complemented in a really interesting way together with AI. Because at the end of the day, what does a solicitor do is he just checks, okay, this is the law, and then he puts it in a document. I don't think it's, if we if we go back to the discussion of who is going to be replaced by AI, and that's mostly jobs that are highly creative, then solicitors and lawyers are not crazy, crazy creative jobs. If you're not the, the defendant of, of SBF or OJ Simpson. I <laughs> mean... I don't know if it's going to replace like highly creative jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these jobs are like repetitive, like lawyers. I mean, eighty percent of the time, they just copy and paste templates. That's it. Mm. I mean, so um, I mean, like the question of like the use of AI for law is. I mean, you have like like the dynamic of tech and of the internet, mm. and then you have the dynamic of regulations. So why don't we have like self-driving cars everywhere? Yeah, mostly because of regulations and uh, insurance and all these um, quite important topics. Uh, why do, do, don't we have like you know this AI for like medicine or this like robot for doctors or like this like automatic surgeons and like because surgeons are super expensive and they spend like you know third of the day they're like sleeping and the third they're playing golf and the last third you know they're practicing surgery um, and they're super super expensive to train and a lot of surgery can be done by robots right now. But they ask a surgeon to pilot the robot. They don't let the robot do it itself because of, you know, regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't say regulation is necessarily bad. Don't get me wrong. But um, it's always this, like, you know, Internet could, like, could evolve super fast at the beginning because there was no regulation. There's no regulation about, like, you know, writing a blog post or creating, like, you know, you know I don't know, social media or whatever. And uh, no, like, the tech is going to these heavily regulated, like, areas. And... Um, yeah, progress would be slow. And I think like blockchain was somehow like this gray zone 
At the beginning, it was like, you know, no one cares. Then it was like, people start to care, but it's super complicated to define, you know, what is a token, what is a security, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, so regulation and, um, I mean, regulation and tech are like these two, like, like, you know, colliding forces, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's see where it ends up. Talking about expensive yeah. education, next news article we found is that ChatGPT tried to take a test in the Master of Business Administration of Wharton Business School. For everybody who doesn't know what Wharton Business School is, is an Ivy League, I think, Ivy League education in the US, uh, one of the most prestigious and hard to get into MBAs, and I'm also going to mention it's very, very expensive. So ChatGPT performed a final exam in the Wharton MBA to see how well it's going to be performed. The test was about basic operations management and process ana analysis questions. So um, it struggled with more advanced process analysis and relatively simple calculations. However, since it's deep learning, it got better over time and was able to really crush it together with human hints. So um, we talked about education and AI and how it's going to impact also larger, more overpriced, I'm just going to say overpriced education, for example, like mm -hmm. an MBA at Wharton Business School. How do we feel about this, Tugan? An MBA is not about education, it's about network and credentials. So mm. I, I, I have to think that it's, it's kind of some clickbait stuff. MBAs? For me, no, no, the, the whole article is like clickbait. Mm. Like, you know, like, okay, so, I mean, MBAs are not about, like, learning, like, management. I mean, you learn management by managing people. You don't learn management in theory. I mean, I've been to business school. I managed, I saved three months. It was so absurd that I left. Um, but, I mean, MBA is about, like, building a network, getting some credentials, and going back to, like, to your bank or your, like, big company and, Earning more. Yeah. So, nice attempt from whoever did this article. But um, it was actually done by Wharton. So, Wharton itself tested its test. Maybe yeah, maybe that was, the, maybe that was the marketing strategy to say, like, yeah, ChatGP yeah. didn't go well. But actually, like, an MBA is about the work you get. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, bad press is good press. So, at least everyone's talking about Wharton. Yeah, so guys, ChatGPT managed the test, but it didn't experience all the other aspects of doing an MBA, like meeting interesting people from all over the world, <laughs> connecting to the top 500 companies. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Um, interesting, yeah, interesting. ChatGPT is catching up. Cool. Um, anything to else? Anything else to, to add from your side, Tugan, on this? Um, if you send the chat GPT, um, I think we, we saw this article from the Wall Street Journal about BuzzFeed, mm -hmm. and BuzzFeed was thinking about like uh, integrating OpenAI to write some content, and I mean the same thing. Like it's like I, I don't know how you feel about it, but my feeling my feel is more like I mean, what they're writing is already so meaningless most of the time mm -hmm. like you know what are they going to disrupt like emptiness 
actually it's top five actually, whatever so how, how do you feel about it like journalism getting replaced journalism like like the truth like the, without them what would we, what would we how you know like how would be the world without buzzfeed buzzfeed journalism i don't really think that the world would realize that anything is missing I do yeah. think it's interesting to say, okay, you're the owner of a public company, which is BuzzFeed, and say, okay, what are, you, what are we guys actually doing? Okay, we're just pushing out a lot of clickbait news. And then eventually, I don't know what the business model really is, but I guess there's some connection to ads and affiliate marketing. And of course, if you look at, I, I read in the article that they last year, they did a bit of restructuring and they fired a lot of content people because that's the highest cost in the company right now and if you can replace 90% of your content writers and copywriters of people that say hey these are five things that Paris Hilton doesn't like or 10 reasons why Elon Musk is not a good CEO of Twitter that's not too bad and if you then have 10% of these people that can are really good at prompts right what we said is that the the future of high paying jobs is not people that are good content writers, but people that are good prompt writers. Um, I think it's an interesting development. What I read in this article that I didn't know about is that BuzzFeed has a million dollar collaboration with Meta and Facebook. So Meta pays BuzzFeed $10 million dollars or even more per year to educate yeah. their content creators how to make better content. And eventually what Meta just wants is people staying on their platform, consuming more reels and more facebook posts and more bikini girls on so, instagram so like a big powerful corporation giving money to journalism to spread like what free speech <laughs> um, i mean i mean interest, interestingly enough like one of the biggest supporter of like you know free journalism around the world is the bill and melinda gates foundation mm. who is one of the biggest shareholder in microsoft Gates, who is one of the biggest shareholders in OpenAI, Bill Gates. Do you want to start a conspiracy theory here? What do you think? I'm ready. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, journalism. I think good journalism is definitely not threatened by ChatGPT mm -hmm. because when it comes to fact, uh, ChatGPT is garbage. Um, Like we we tried to train like ChatGPT to do some copywriting in my company, like just to write sales message and stuff. And it was the software was just inventing facts, inventing dates, inventing like celebrities doing stuff that they never did. Um, it was like just pure bullshit. So when it comes mm -hmm. to fact, ChatGPT is like bad, super bad. And also ChatGPT, let's say, has been I think I don't know, but I think it has been trained. To when, whenever it's like some sensitive topic, to just go with a narrative. I, I think it was last time or like in one of our episodes that I discussed that I tried to ask ChatGPT stuff about like, you know, give me like, you know, conspiracy theories about like global warming, for instance. And it said, like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. There is no conspiracy theory. It's bad, you know. Um, here is the science. No one can question the science. So I think they played super safe. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think people with interesting ideas, alternative ideas, radical ideas, not necessarily dangerous ideas, but like, you know, radical ideas, strong ideas, uh, who wants to like research the topic and to build like, let's say, a, a story around it, 
I think they will have no real competition anytime soon from like OpenAI, I guess. I believe so too. I believe so too. Yeah. Like if you want to write a you know an in-depth article about all the wrongdoings of like Microsoft or even about OpenAI, you know I'm not sure ChatGPT will help you in this. We can yeah. Check. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's an interesting bridge to go from here to Aletha AI. The launch an application using Polygon allows you of the creation of your AI-powered NFTs. So you can create either your own NFT or any avatar mm -hmm. from text prompts. So it's a bit of a mixture of ChatGPT and Midjourney or Dolly. And yeah. then you can mint those NFTs on the Polygon network. And I read this and I said, okay, interesting. But the reason why this is really interesting is because it gives users the potential to use those AIs, characters, mm -hmm. for example, for games, digital guides, and make twins of prominent figures, for example, to use IP or to create your own brand using that yeah. AI NFT avatar. I don't know what to think about it. <laughs> on one hand, you're like, you know, putting a JPEG on the blockchain, you have like a lot of tools that can make it happen. Mm -hmm. Creating a JPEG with AI, you have a lot of tools that make it happen. So plugging both together is not like a revolution. Um, the, I mean, maybe, maybe, do you think we will see like some like trend in DeFi or Web3 around AI. What's your, what's your take on it? Yeah, so I'm just pulling up the website here and here you have the Polygon uh, CEO and founder, Sandeep, and some other community mm -hmm. AIs, my character. I think the own, what this company solves quite intelligently is it sells you on the vision that you could use that NFT in your own computer game or in your own YouTube video. But eventually that's what most NFT projects that have now a quite embarrassing floor price also tell you like, hey guys, like we're gonna push this IP and this brand and by you owning our monkey, you own part of it and you can make your own merch or your own, your own NFTs. But with this, you know, it's basically the, the same thing of what you do with growing a YouTube channel is you're building your own your own feature. The only interesting thing for this is that you could integrate it, for example, in a game and you can earn some stuff there or you could use basic characters that is gonna help you with game development, for example. But yeah, I could be wrong, but I don't see this really disrupting how yeah, we all nice. see our it's personal It's nice, brand. the website yeah. is well done, the UI UX is good. Um, it's yeah. well, let's say it's well done, it's easy to market, it's easy to promote, it's easy to make people talk about it. Um, yeah. I, re I really have no idea if, you know, AI can really bring something to, um, to Web3 in the short term. Uh, yeah. We also tried uh, ChatGPT to write smart contracts in another company <laughs> where, I'm an, where I'm an advisor. And it helps for coding, but for smart contracts, it was still bad. Probably it will get better in the future. Maybe you will be able to generate the apps and smart contracts with OpenAI in the in the coming months or years. That's super reasonable. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what was bad about I, I it? Hmm? What was the bad thing about it? No, no, it's 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 fine. I mean, I don't I don't see any bad things about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean the I mean like the problematic stuff is like okay, so if the contract is uh, not well done and someone can hack it and like you know rogue the project, who is responsible? You could have like questions like this. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, um, then we you can also like right now like I saw a few projects doing this is you use like Mid Journey to create your whole like NFT collection. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, good. It's cheaper than a, a designer. It's true that designers doing like the NFT bull market started to feel little bit too. I don't know, like special let's say i don't know what's your like take on like designers and, like jpeg makers just being like oh you want me to do a, a jpeg collection i want 20k and 10 percent of the project <laughs> i used to work for five bucks on fiverr but now that you use the word nft 20k <laughs> <laughs> and these fuckers just like no like done finish and um, I, I feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, though. I do agree that if you're running an art collection, then the art obviously plays a big role. So these people, if everybody makes a lot of money, then these people also deserve to get paid. I do think it was a similar vibe with everybody. Is like Discord moderators are now getting paid $1, and in the bull market, they wanted 25 because, oh, I'm a community, <laughs> community contributor manager ama specialist no come on dude like yeah. you're just you're just in dicks discord banning people <laughs> um so yeah i think it's a it's an interesting i play around a bit now with mid journey and dolly and it's pretty cool like also in terms of i would say brainstorming and getting ideas and then eventually having an, a designer or illustrator take these ideas and make something really cool out of it. That's where it's really useful. So again, it's a nice entry point. It's cheap. It's cool. Um, and if you can sell it to people to say, Hey guys, first NFT collection that is generated by mid journey. Why not? I'm not even sure it's a good selling point to say it's been generated by mid journey. So you're like, so what have you done? <laughs> so what what was your contribution as a founder? Yeah, we did like the minting smart contract. All right, you know, someone can do it on Fiverr. Also, like, also done by oh. AI. Maybe it would be a good yeah. idea to make a smart contract AI that also takes the blame <laughs> if it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean like... Or, I mean like... I would say, like, you know, no, one, po one like, array, array, it could be super good. Whenever the project fail or crash, everyone starts to FUD. And in most cases, the mod suggests join force with the haters against you. Quite often, not always, but quite often. So then you as a founder, you don't have your mods to manage the discord and the FUD. Everyone is yelling at you. Everyone is threatening you. Everyone is just, like, insulting your family or whatever, sending you, like... Pictures of knives happens to me uh, once. Um, I mean, not just once, but like on one project. Um, and so, like, you could use ChatGPT to just like manage the crowd. 
So like everyone who is hating, you're like, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. <laughs> <laughs> you should be happy. You're healthy, you know. Yeah. Or if someone is like, you know, like uh, I took a loan on my house to, to buy your JPEG, you're like, well, you know, I'm not a financial advisor, but maybe it wasn't. <laughs> Is what wasn't right move and uh, you know um, so like so like for community management uh, especially during FUD when like the mods are just like you know abandoning the ship um, yeah I, I do see like some like some like <laughs> some like tool like some SAS that just manage FUD <laughs> the FUD killer dot AI FUD killer dot it would be good I do think that Discord modding would be something that would be a fun way to to automate with AI. Just feed it all the all the text from whatever five thousand Discord chats, and then make it build its own language model. Or you take, for example, movie characters like Neo from The Matrix, and then that's your Discord mod inside of the Discord. Or Jesus from the Bible. <laughs> 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 Why is the floor dropping? The floor dropping, you, you assholes. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves I don't you. care, but Jesus, where are the devs? <laughs> Do something. Where the something. Price is dropping. Um, nah, I mean, it's not funny because, yeah. But talking about FUD and NFT projects, let's move to the next topic, which is Doodles. So mm -hmm. Doodles releases details of Doodles 2. Here's the scoop. So Doodles 2, a new collection of Doodles 2 on the Flow blockchain, which I think is also something interesting to talk about. Doodles got a lot of FUD earlier this year because they didn't post anything on Twitter for I think three months and then the whole community was like guys do something we're the founders we're the founders then they did a, a <laughs> mini golf event by the way guys as, as a disclaimer I have a doodle so um, I'm a righteous owner of the IP that they're pushing together with Pharrell and now they have a new doodles too not too many details yet but what they can do is a frictionless on-chain app that lets you customize your doodle without limits. What, talking about, you know, utility and everybody saying, yeah, you know, I have the doodle and I have merch and I can play mini golf. I do think that this is quite cool. I do think giving users the ability to play around with your IP, to change traits, to give it different sunglasses, even though everybody in tech is like, oh, that's stupid. I do think from a user perspective, this is something that is quite cool to use. If you have your doodles for two years now and you saw it go up and down or you bought the top and you can now customize it, even if it sounds a bit stupid, I think it's quite cool. What do you think? I really like the idea of customization. I think as a founder, when you do an NFT project, it's pretty much a game of like, It's not a game of delete of delaying the in inevitable. It's more like um, you need to entertain people. You need to bring new features. You need to bring utilities. You need to bring some actions. You need to bring some partnerships. You need to give people the ability to do stuff with the NFT. And if you cannot like come up with like let's say every three months or every like year like with some innovative stuff, 
the project is going to crash because if you, I mean, like most of the people buy crypto hoping they can just selling at a higher price later. But mm -hmm. if you can create enough stuff around it so they don't have to sell it, they don't want to sell it and they want to use it and they can do so many things with it. But then you finally have something valuable and something useful because without all these utilities, without all these like options and like features and like possibilities for like, the community or for people as individuals, you're condemned to do like a pump and then a dump and then you know everyone will say, why do they pump and dump? Well, you know, <coughs> not on purpose, but without the utilities, without all, without the innovative fe uh, features, yeah, all the projects end as pump and then dump. Yeah. So um, yeah, um, I think a lot of projects had this idea of like customizing NFTs, but it wasn't that easily done because you have like the metadata to, I don't know, refresh or something like this. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that easy to do. Mm. So I mean, do do you know about the Flow blockchain? I mean, what do they have specifically that make it? Possible or so what flow know. flow blockchain basically promised promises is that if your solidity dev is really easy to mess things up because there's a lot of code there's a lot of reading there's a lot of things you need to know so flow says okay guys we're much faster we're much cheaper to use and the developing process itself is much easier it's much nicer to use so you can just get okay. started um i watched some youtube videos today it's quite cool um get started read some code and deploy. Uh, I had a really interesting interview earlier this week with Nadia Eldaip, who is on the Sui blockchain. They're doing a wallet there. And okay. Sui is a blockchain, still not a main yet, later this year, but what they, or later this year, yes, January. And what they solve is you can code by drag and drop. And it's a very easy, fun way of onboarding. And us two, we had a cool conversation with Vito from Alchemy, who just said, guys, we just want to have fun coding. And our main strategy of onboarding people is to onboard devs that build a lot of stuff, which is eventually, if they build cool stuff, onboard a lot of users too. Okay. Okay, sweet. I mean, you have so many blockchains. Crazy, yeah. By the way, one of the best like business opportunities right now is you manage to build like some trust and network among these big blockchains mm -hmm. and you just copy something successful on a different blockchain on their blockchain that no one is doing mm. you get some grants you get maybe like 50k or 100k uh, vested usually in their own token and uh, you know maybe in two years the blockchain will be worth like tens of billions and then your 50k are worth like a few millions but yeah actually for those who are thinking about what to do during the bear market that's one of the best moves to do mm. Because all these blockchains, I mean, like, who is going to wake up and be like, okay, I'm going to build stuff on Sui blockchain? I mean, maybe it's great. I don't know. But you have so many of them. So mm. that's, that's a good move, yeah. That's an interesting one. One last thing I wanted to say about Doodles is what I think they did really well is that people really care about their Doodles. If you have a random NFT project, I think even Azuki, people don't care too much. And you can say, hey, guys, you can customize it now. People are like, yeah, so what? But with Doodles, they're like, ah, that's cool. And eventually the goal, I think, of any community owner or project founder is to make people so connected and committed to their NFT is that they start pushing their own agenda or without their them consciously pumping their own bags, they say, wow, this is me, this is my IP. 
I want to push this. I want to grow this into something. I'm going to make merch out of this or write a comic book, even if I'm not going to make any money of it. But I just love it so much. For example, I think Bored Ape is, is a good example for that. Yeah. So if people start doing that, then the community starts growing by itself. Then it's not only pointing fingers at the founders and saying, hey, more utility, you guys are not doing anything. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I like about Doodles. I think they did a really good job in terms of branding and storytelling and colors. And obviously the things that they did in the past of saying people yeah. really like their Doodles. And I think that's that's a big goal or really, really hard thing to achieve as a project founder. So good job, guys. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Yeah. Good. Let's, let's round. Our... Let's go to our favorite part of the session, and that is the weekly roast. So this week, we're, we picked out a lot of startups from A16Z, and we're going to check out their startups. So here we have Play Labs, building the next generation of social platforms at the intersection of AI, Web3, and gaming. Let's check it out. Do we know how much they raised? No, we don't. Was they raised from Andreessen Horowitz? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Website doesn't work. Let me move to the next one. Let's one go to the next one. Okay, this is cool. Carry first. Carry first is also Andres Horvison. I think they raised 27 million. And what they're doing is they're carrying the digital digital revolution for mobile users and games in Africa. So what they're doing is they're basically, from my knowledge, a game development company, and they're just shipping game after game after game and pushing them to African users. So um, they're also doing, you see here some collaborations and pushing games in Africa. But it's not blockchain related, right? Yeah, so what they're doing is they're a mobile publisher and what they do is, for example, you have here, um, sorry about us, is that there are a lot of also play to earn, play to learn games, which is somewhat related to the blockchain itself. Um, I don't think <laughs> these websites. Um, is blockchain only. So you see here is a bikini bottom, SpongeBob game or Gebita. But it would be, I mean, if you look at Nigeria right now, is one of the, the biggest booming crypto countries out there. And people are really longing for that. So I think if you look at how many people, or I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. I had a YouTube script writer that wrote short scripts for me. And okay. we were working together for two, three months. And at some point I was like, why do you always mess up the punctuation sentences? Not because it's wrong or I was just wondering because usually you just have a laptop and you have Grammarly and that's something that the Word document yeah. recommends you. And then she said, yeah, it's really hard to do it on my phone. And I said, how do you mean on your phone? She said, yeah, I don't have a laptop. I said, what? <laughs> You're writing these scripts after scripts on your phone? Like, no. Nobody has a laptop here. We're all just on our phone. And there's this interesting, um, I, I wouldn't say study, but if you look at countries or 
societies that have much higher adoption rates, for example, for mobile phones or the internet or blockchain, is because they skipped the, they skipped the previous one. So if you look at Asia or China, they didn't have a lot of computers or laptops in any case. They jumped straight into the mobile phones or straight into the phones. Um, so gaming yes, in Africa, pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, it's a last mover advantage thing. So instead of going through all the technologies and then disrupt them to create a new one and then disrupt one you know, to create a new one, you just directly implement the latest technology without having to uh, reimburse the expenses for like the deployment of previous technologies. So you can yeah. go much faster. Um, I mean, the issue with business in Africa was almost always like payments. <laughs> like, um, when I was more like active in the information information product space, and we had a lot of we also had a lot of businesses with cheap products, like maybe five euro for an ebook or something like this. And a lot of people wanted to buy from Africa, and they're like, "But I don't have a card. I, I just have, don't have a credit card. I just you know, mm -hmm. don't have this or a debit card." And um, so, so that's why when you started with a with this company, it was like, "Okay, so but how do they solve the payment?" But apparently they solve it with blockchain solutions. Then that's the perfect solution. Yeah, I I listened to a really interesting interview the other day of Lex Friedman, Jack Dorsey, a couple of years ago, and he said the main issue of creating companies, for example, there was a ride-sharing app in Ethiopia, and it takes them one year to figure out payments with local bank, and then it still doesn't work because they can't pay their drivers. And if you just run it on a crypto platform or on the blockchain. Within one week, you're ready to go, right? So I think that's a, that's a really, really important one. Let's move on to the next one, which I think is hilarious. We have a deep fake app that is able to generate realistic nudes in seconds. <laughs> so. And that's from Andres Norovitz or something? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. So what you can do is there's an app where you can, where you can upload for example, pictures of celebrities that are wearing clothes and then the AI is going to give you naked results. So <laughs> finally, finally utility of AI. <laughs> and it's, it's so wrong and so inevitable. Yeah. I, I wanted to like, it's so wrong and so inevitable, like somehow like, <laughs> and it only works on women. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't they write like the black bars were added after using the app? Okay. Yeah, you have to pay 50 bucks. It's, it's, an, it's an app from 2019, so it's not from last week. But I found this and I thought this is just too hilarious to share. The app is called Deep Nude. <laughs> and that's the guy doing it. No, no. Uh, no, he's no, reporting. No, 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 horrifying defect. No, okay, he's, he's, he's complaining about it. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable. So. Super cool. Super cool. Let's get the next one. Okay, so the next one is less of a startup, but more technology that I think is very interesting to compare with. JetGPT and that's Google Talk to Books. So it's a Google feature and obviously Google scanned a lot of damn books. And what you can ask here is, for example, you can say, what is the 
meaning of life and you get an answer of all books and you can filter it based on what kind of books it is but it's not filtered it's not summarized it's not a deep learning tool that looks at all the books and says okay this is the right answer you just get a lot of answers and whether right or wrong you have to figure that out for yourself but i I don't have a feeling, I, I tried it like a while ago, this one. And it's more like mm. I will find a sentence matching your keywords. Yeah. So it's not going to provide the answer based on, you know, this book or this author. It's more mm -hmm. like I will find like, it's, it's more like a Google search, like a keyword Google search, like among like available among books. books. Yeah. And is, is, I mean, I typed in here, how many African people own mobile phones? Here it says in 2002, if we do the same thing on Google. Yeah, it's not really interesting too. 2000, it's 86%. So I think talk to books is, a, is an interesting way to compare how good is search, how does search work? And what is an example of really bad results or bad in the sense that if you as a user, you don't really get anything out of this. You say, what is the capital of Italy? Yeah. yeah. The capital of the Pope is not the capital city. Okay. Right. I mean, if you want to find a quote, let's say for, for some essay or for, I don't know, like uh, some exam or some thing, I don't know, like PhD. <laughs> I think it's good. It's useful. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's quite useful if you need to find some sentences, quotes, sources for some essay or PhD, like thesis, but yeah. just for the day to day life, I don't really see the point. Maybe something interesting because I think we both have a bit of background in e-commerce back in the days, mm -hmm. web three, no code web three e-commerce platform from cheerleader. So what you can do here is for example, if you're an NFT platform, that's that wants to give some merch to his users, similar to like an open C I see here from the interface and within seconds you can get started having e-commerce people can buy it with crypto i believe or only for example crypto gated communities can access what do you think about this tool Tugan? i think um i think i i saw it like a while ago on smoothie.so that one yep um I, I like it i like it it's on solana so, you know, good luck with the development. And um, <laughs> don't make bad jokes. But yeah, I think, I think that like the notion of like token gated communities, token gated membership, it's a, it's a good one. Mm -hmm. I have the feeling that they're a little bit trying to like do a lot of like web two, like that a lot of web two product for like web three, like, okay, you can buy stuff with crypto. Well, I mean, don't you have crypto payment processors like already on, on Shopify and or, or on other platforms. <laughs> so on this, this stuff, I don't really see it, but like the token gated, token gated part, I really like it. I think like token gated, <laughs> like um, pages, membership spaces, uh, shops, stores, is going to be super interesting in the future because it's mm -hmm. giving utility to, to, to token. And I think like yeah. one of the biggest, like I think one of the biggest thing to develop during this bear market is like just to create tools that gives utilities to, to tokens and NFTs. And they're contributing to this, so I think it's, it's super nice. Cool. Nice work, cheerleader. We have a last fun one for all the 
of all the people that like to play piano out there is AI duet. So you can play piano together with the... So you start playing and then the AI starts playing together with you. So someone was bored at Google, so they just created this stuff, right? Yeah. You Talking about Google, the last one we're going to talk about today is killed by Google. So Google, what they do is they buy up a lot of startups or they, for example, they look at the, the landscape of what they're building. And here are all the companies that were killed by Google or discontinued. So maybe purchased and looked at if they were able to scale them, but they didn't. And I read online that how Google operates is they have really expensive CEOs or product manager for all of these items. And even if they could say, for example, Google Stadia or Threaded, they could scale it to a hundred million dollars in annual revenue. They still don't do it because Google just makes so much more money than them. And sometimes it's just worse to buy up the competition and kill them all instead of to do it yourself. Hey, they killed Google service. I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, but this is the Google forms. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I think that I, I read like uh, an article about Larry Page like a long time ago, mm -hmm. and they had this thing is like the toothbrush test. Do you know about it? No. The toothbrush test. <coughs> so basically, they only want to work on tools that can be used by billions of people. So if if you create something nice that is going to be cool for fifty million people, they're not interested. They only want they only want to work on tools that can like, you know, improve the life of at least a billion people. Yeah. So that's, that's the filter. So if it's nice for a few people, they just kill it. Cool. Either they integrate it into a different like tool and product to keep this feature alive, and they're just like, okay, not interesting, you can delete it. And it's a super interesting framework. It's super like ambitious. Of course, you need to have like the financial means to afford this kind of like vision of the world. But I think it's as like, you, you could really ask yourself like how as a, as a CEO of such a big company with so many temptations to pursue like, you know, possibilities, ideas, stuff, you know, how do you don't fuck around like just throwing money from the window by pursuing every idea? Mm -hmm. Well, you have the toothbrush test. Cool. Can it be good for a billion people? No, then, you know, we will let another company do it. The toothbrush test. Cool. That's a great ending. Thank you everybody for tuning in. So if you're in doubt over the weekend, don't forget the truth protest. Thanks guys. See you in the next video.